come with me for a moment on a journey through a series of family photographs, snapshots which remind us of who we are as the people of God and who we are meant to be. For our first tour of family memories, come back with me in time to the court of King David. After a life full of battles, setbacks and betrayal, he is finally secure as king. For a king of such troubled times, the usual practice would be to root out every relative of your enemies, in David's case, his former employer, King Saul, and destroy them. In the story which gives us our first family photo, told in 2 Samuel 9, David does something very different. He sends from Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul and the son of David's friend Jonathan, who, like Saul, has died in battle. Mephibosheth's story is really tragic. Hearing that Saul and Jonathan are dead, his nurse picks him up. He's just five years old and flees in panic. She either falls or drops him, and he has such severe injuries he becomes lame. With his father and grandfather dead and no way to earn a living, his future and that of his family is very uncertain. He sees himself as he later tells David, as a dead dog. Now an adult, he's brought to the court. We can imagine the fear as he stands shaking with terror in front of the king. Surely he is to be executed. He waits to hear the words spoken which will seal his fate. But no. The words he hears are of mercy, not a sentence of death. Not only is he reprieved, but so much more. He is to be given back his inheritance with others to farm the land and provide for him. Even more, he has a place of honour at the king's table for the rest of his life. David's treatment of Mephibosheth shows us what mercy looks like. It is more than sparing someone, important though that is. For us, unlike David... It's not likely to be sparing someone's life. Rather, it may be sparing the cutting word to or even about someone who has hurt us. But mercy goes further into action. David identified with Mephibosheth, put himself in his shoes to feel what he must feel, and then found out what his need was and met it. He went way beyond the minimum, lavishing care, on someone who his society said was his enemy. Just two chapters later, in 2 Samuel 11 onwards, it is David who is in need of mercy, after a catastrophic moral failure with Bathsheba. His adultery with her and murder of her husband has the most terrible of consequences. Yet still he remained a man after God's heart, as he had been earlier described perhaps because he was a man of mercy. Even earlier in his life than his adopting of Mephibosheth, we saw that quality when he spared the life of his enemy Saul. Mercy was at the centre of who David was, like lettering through a stick of rock. It is at the very centre of who God is. As David himself expressed it in Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. 
Come with me for our next family picture, forward by about a thousand years, to a mountain near Capernaum in Galilee. King David's greater son, Jesus, is calling out to all who will listen what the right way up kingdom will look like. It is a radically different place, with the giving and receiving of mercy at its heart. Among the crowd that day, there will have been every reaction possible. The spiritually thirsty, drinking in his words like cool water on a hot day. The confused, wondering how this life could be possible. And the cynics, being sure it can never work in a dog-eat-dog world. Perhaps each of those is sometimes like us. But Jesus remained insistent that the giving and receiving of mercy was at the centre of the new way of life he was calling people to. In another family snapshot for our memory book, one day the gloriously honest Peter asked him a question about the limits of mercy with others. Could Jesus put a limit, please, so that after he had fulfilled that obligation, he could be free to unleash unforgiveness on those who had wronged him? No, Jesus said, there is no limit. The master storyteller, Jesus then told the parable of an employee of a powerful king who, against every expectation of the time, was forgiven a huge debt, greater than he could ever pay back. But he takes his clean slate, and with it refuses his colleague a much smaller debt. He uses the new start to throw it away on vengeance, and because of it, he loses the forgiveness he had received. That lies, doesn't it, at the heart of our difficulty. We look at those who wrong us and see their debt as massive and ours as tiny. Or like Peter, we set a number and when others exceed it, we refuse to show mercy again. So for the final entry for today in our family album, come with me in your imagination to Calvary. We stand with a vast multitude across the generations who have stood there in their mind's eye too. All around us are those, like us, who do not deserve the welcome we find as Jesus stretches out his arms to and for us. But like David, yet in a much greater way, everything that Jesus was and wonderfully still is has mercy at its heart. It is a mercy we have desperately needed and have received. So here we are, sisters and brothers, creating with our lives the entry in the family album that others around us will see. The calling is clear. In a circular round of receiving and giving and receiving, we too are called to have mercy at the very centre of our identity. Let's make sure that for us too, it runs through everything we are, like that lettering through rock. <laughs>